Hello everyone, I'm Nathan and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, the 23rd of August, 2023. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.com org forward slash talking dash news as a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD. Simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902-880-111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading for you this week, we have myself, Nathan, Angela, Christine, Liz, Helen, Mina, Simon, And of course, not forgetting the man, the myth, the legend, Flashback Roger. In this edition, we have the latest local news for the black country, the quiz with Mina, an update from Beacon, and you may want to press mute for this one, Wolves fans. We have the latest news for both football teams, Wolves and West Bromwich Albion, We have another bulletin of practical information and sight loss tips. A did you know section from himself, Flashback Roger. We also have the weather for the week ahead. And with autumn now creeping in, we have an article sharing some tips on things to do in the garden this month. Local news to start though with Liz and Christine. But first, Angela. Is Britain's wonkiest pub now in Tipton following the Crooked House blaze? The destruction of Britain's wonkiest pub sent shockwaves through the country last week as people mourned the loss of the Crooked House. Renowned for its unique slant, visitors at the Himley pub enjoyed rolling a marble up the bar and taking pictures outside the iconic 18th century building. However, now the beloved pub has been reduced to rubble, Another establishment can take up the mantle of Britain's wonkiest pub, and people believe it's not too far away from the previous occupant of the Crown. Over in Tipton, the tilted barrel stands proudly at a slant after being hit by mining subsidence and consequently tilting not long after being built, leaving it with a particularly obvious lean. The last subsidence to hit the pub was in 1896. Built in the mid-19th century, the watering hole on High Street in Prince's End is just five miles away from the site of the Crooked House. But there was a key distinction between the two establishments before the Himley pub caught ablaze. The Tilted Barrel is a Grade 2 listed building. 
meaning it is designated as a building of special interest by Historic England. As a result, it is given extra protections so the pub can be protected for future generations. This protection led to a bitter row between the former owners, Pubmaster Limited, and council planners after four chimneys were removed from the listed pub without permission back in 1998. The Acting Technical Services Director at the time, Malcolm Hinks, said in a report that he deplored the works being carried out without consent. However, Pubmaster claimed they had found structural defects in the building and decided urgent work was required to protect it. The Crooked House, meanwhile, was yet to gain listed building status at the time of its destruction. A request was made at the end of July for the Crooked House to become listed and Historic England has confirmed it was in the process of carefully considering it just prior to the fire and subsequent bulldozing. Since then, further requests have been submitted but they cannot be considered as the building no longer exists. If the listed status had been granted, fate might have dealt another hand and the iconic Himley pub might still be standing. The Tilted Barrel has also had its fair share of drama throughout its history and has hit the headlines on several occasions. With its colourful history, idiosyncratic architecture and welcoming atmosphere, the Tilted Barrel has been thrust into the spotlight once again in the wake of the blaze which tore through the Crooked House. Grade 2 listed pub in Sedgley, which shut in February, is set to reopen in time for Christmas. The Swan Inn in Gospel End Street, opposite All Saints Parish Church, is to become part of the Red Pub Company chain. The pub, which dates from the early 19th century, was sold for £250,000 in July by Stonegate Pub Company and has been let to the Tipton-based Pub Company. Director Paul Jones said work would start in the next few weeks on a refurbishment of the ground floor, which will see it refocused as a real ale pub with six hand pools and more craft beers. The nine rooms upstairs will be used for a separate Airbnb business. Mr Jones said the pub would open before that started operation. The aim is to open before Christmas. There is a lot of work to be done, he added. He stressed that the plan was to make the Swan a community asset. The beer garden would also be improved and he was exploring putting electric vehicle charging points in the car park. It will be Red Pub Company's 18th pub and 10th Real Ale Specialist premises. It has only recently reopened the Glass Cutters Arms in Wordsley. The other local Real Ale pubs are the Bird in Hand, Wordsley, the Beacon Way Block Switch, the Jolly Crispin Upper Gornal, the Malt Shovel Dudley, Red House Boutique Stourbridge, and the Tame Bridge Tipton. Mr. Jones said that the glass cutters had had a successful first week and more improvements were planned. We are over the moon with how the pub has been received. It has already got a great community spirit, he added. 
The house where the gunpowder plotters made their last stand before being arrested, Holbeach House, is one of the most important historic buildings in the UK. After the recent demise of the Crooked House and a year after closing as a care home for the elderly, there are now growing concerns and fears about the future of the mansion on the outskirts of Dudley, which dates back to the turn of the 17th century. Situated in Wall Heath, about a mile from the Crooked House pub in Himley, there are growing concerns that it could suffer a similar fate if steps are not taken to protect the building. So much so that Paul Bradley, Deputy Leader of Dudley Council, confirmed Dudley Council is closely monitoring the site to ensure that it remains secure and it has contacted the owners of the property in order to discuss their proposals for the premises and to offer advice and assistance. Furthermore, the Council has written to Historic England requesting that it be added to the Heritage at Risk Register for 2023. The benefit of this is that it will raise the profile of the building further and make it more eligible for external grant assistance. Due to the building currently being vacant and no longer in active use as a care home, the owner of the property has firmly secured the property with all windows and doors being boarded up and the site enclosed with security fencing. The house is thought to have been built circa 1600 when it was owned by Stephen Littleton, a wealthy and prominent Catholic who was recruited in 1604 by ringleader Robert Catesby for a part in his attempt to assassinate King James at the state opening of Parliament on November 5, 1605. After discovering that their explosives expert, Guy Fawkes, had been arrested in an undercroft near the Palace of Westminster, the remaining plotters fled to Holbeach House, where they found themselves surrounded by the King's men. During their flight, the plotters' gunpowder had become sodden with rain, so they tried to dry it off in front of the fire. A spark from the fire caused the gunpowder to explode, blowing the roof off the house and most of the plotters were either killed or wounded in the ensuing fight, with the remainder being arrested and executed. Some walls at Holbeach House have holes from muskets used in the storming of the house. Up next we hear from Helen who, as usual, has our latest Beacon update. Hi everyone, it's Helen with your weekly update of all things Beacon. How are you? I hope you've been enjoying this warmer weather we've been having at times at least over this last week or so. It certainly felt a little bit more like summer to me and I really enjoyed it. Now, first this week, calling all swimmers. Are you up for swimming to show your support for people with sight loss? Well. We're calling on people to take part in our Swim 250 Challenge by either swimming 250 lengths in a pool or 250 minutes in open water throughout September. Why 250? That's how many people are given the devastating news that they're losing their sight every day. To take part, you can sign up on our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash swim hyphen 250 or give us a call on 01902-880-111. Now, the big news keeps on coming this week. I am delighted and very excited to tell you that we've got a family fun night taking place next month. We'd love for you to join us 
at the Cabin Public House in Sedgley on Friday, September the 8th, where you and your family will be able to take part in games including heads or tails and play your card right. That's my personal favourite. Test your knowledge in our quiz and let loose on the dance floor at our mini disco. The best part? Well, every ticket you purchase helps us ensure that no one has to face sight loss alone. Tickets are £7 for adults, £6 for children or £20 for a family of four. Get your ticket now at the pub, our reception or shop or call us 01902 880 111. Sounds like a great night out and we hope you can join us there. You can also join us as we step back in time with a trip to Dudley Archives next month. We will be delving into history on September the 19th. If you'd like to join us, call 01902 880 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org. Now last this week, a quick reminder, our shops will be closed on Monday, August the 28th due to the bank holiday. You can find details of our usual opening hours and our shop locations on our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash shops. That's it for this week. I'll be back again soon with another update. Bye-bye. Thanks for that update, Helen. Next up, we have another block of local news. And up first, we hear from Christine. A concert featuring two male voice groups will be raising the roof at Dudley Town Hall later this year. The Gentlemen's Songsters and special guests, the Sons of Pitches, will be performing at the venue on October 6th. The Dudley-based Songsters are a 65-member male voice choir whose repertoire runs from the classics through to musicals and pop classics. Their four-part harmonies have been entertaining audiences and raising thousands of pounds for charities for over 65 years. Special guests, the Sons of Pitches, are a multi-award-winning vocal group that combines searing solos, harmonies and sensational beatboxing. In 2015, they became the first winners of Gareth Malone's choir competition. Since then, they have developed a growing international reputation. They are currently touring the UK with their best bits, featuring many fans' favourites from across the past decade. Ken Crane, the Songsters chairman, said, This is definitely something unique and different. We're excited to welcome the Sons of Bitches to Dudley and to share the stage with the Songsters. This should appeal to supporters of both groups, but also to any music lovers looking for a new experience. The show starts at 7.30pm. Tickets for adults cost between £20 and £25 and are £15 for children under the age of 16. They are available from Dudley Town Hall's box office, through the Songsters website at gentlemansongsters.com or from choir members. People with dementia and their carers are invited to attend a dementia-friendly singing group launching in the Black Country. The Shine Alike Dementia Choir set up by Black Country Brighter Lives, the registered charity of Black Country Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust, 
is free to attend and open to anybody with dementia who lives in Sandwell, Warsaw, Wolverhampton or Dudley. Sessions will take place from Tuesday, September 5th at West Bromwich Baptist Church and will consist of 10 weekly sessions including a final performance. The aim of the choir is to reduce social isolation, build community and give people with dementia a voice and sense of belonging. The group will be supported by clinicians and health professionals from the Trust and led by singing teacher and community choir leader Sarah Jones. Sarah, who has over 25 years of experience in delivering community choirs across Birmingham and the Black Country, said, There's nothing better than uniting together in the communion of music, and in my case, it's singing. Over the many years of leading community choirs, members have shared with me the physical and psychological benefits they have experienced, especially during difficult times. It is a basic human function, and without doubt, the breathing, posture and vocalising exercises required for our singing, along with the fellowship, can only bring a sense of well-being. I hope that at the end of our Shine a Light experience, Participants will feel uplifted and refreshed and the power of music and its connection with our past or our community will calm the struggles with dementia can bring. Anyone who is interested in finding out more about the choir and would like to sign up should email bchft.communications at nhs.net or call 07 A diamond ring that once belonged to Rat Pack member jazz legend Sammy Davis Jr. could sell for an astronomical fifty to £70,000 when it goes under the hammer in the West Midlands this week. The ring, which features a yellow-brown 10.75-carat diamond, was a favourite of Davis Jr.'s and was worn by Mr. Show Business during performances around the world. He even wore it in the White House, having been invited to a reception in March 1973, which President Nixon called an evening with Sammy Davis Jr. This was an historic event and was the first time that an African-American family was invited to spend the night at the White House. Photos from the event show the ring on his little finger. He also wore it on his index finger during his tour of Europe in 1985. This is not the first time that this ring has gone under the hammer, but more than two years have passed since this particular ring was last put up for auction, along with a collection of jewellery that once belonged to the iconic American entertainer. However, this upcoming auction marks the first time that the ring will be sold alongside an extensive photo album showcasing numerous photos of Davis Jr. wearing the ring. The collection will go up for auction on Thursday, August the 24th. Lindsay Campbell, jewellery manager at Fellows Auctioneers, said, I'm delighted to have such a piece of music history in our fine jewellery auction. 
When you think of the events where Sammy Davis Jr. wore this ring, it is no wonder that this ring has attracted such a lot of attention. As well as being a beautiful ring with a stunning diamond set in it, the fact that it is being sold with the photo album means that it is a unique piece of memorabilia which I'm sure will be highly coveted by music enthusiasts. Sammy Davis Jr. was known for his extravagant and flamboyant jewellery that perfectly embodied his larger-than-life persona, with his jewellery collection becoming an iconic aspect of his image. For more information on the lot, search for lot194 at fellows.co.uk. Now it's time to test your knowledge, as we have the quiz questions for this edition brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers Did You Know feature. But for now, these are your questions. Here we go. Question 1. Barrow Hill in Pensnet is the remains of what? Question 2. What visitor attraction is also at Barrow Hill? Question 3. Many worldwide visit our region. What attracts them to our area? Question 4. What creature was the Dudley Bug? Question 5. How long ago did Trilobites and the like live? Question 6. What name was given to the limestone canvas? I will be back with you later in the show to answer all your questions, but for now, best of luck! Cheers for those questions, Mina. Hmm, I'll get my mind working on them. Up now, however, is another block of local news. Environmentalists held a protest demanding Dudley Council stops using bee killing and harmful weed killers across the borough. More than 25 protesters joined Labour and Liberal Democrat councillors at Mary Stevens Park, Stourbridge, after the council purchased three weed killer spraying quad bikes. The use of glyphosate in weed killer has been a long-running issue in Dudley, with environmentalists and the council disagreeing about how harmful the pesticides are. 
Ross Partridge from Friends of the Earth said, In 2020, Dudley Council declared a climate emergency, which hopefully they are serious about, because the planet is at a critical stage right now. Herbicides such as glyphosate are harmful to our environment. It kills bees on which we depend for our food supply. It destroys wildlife in the soil, streams, ponds and rivers, so using it is actually contributing to the climate emergency. The World Health Organization have designated glyphosate as a probable cause of cancer and a threat to human health. Spraying must be phased out by Dudley Council rather than increased by using quad bikes to spread it. Wollaston and Stourbridge Town Councillor Kat Eccles said, I have been campaigning against the use of glyphosate and other harmful pesticides in our borough for many years now. This is something which residents raise with me time and time again. I am frustrated that Dudley Council, under the control of the Conservatives, is not listening or acting like they care about the local environment. Dudley Council's new 50cc Yamaha quad bikes are fitted with a device to spray weed killer in parks, streets and other high-profile places and cost up to £6,000 a year. Wollaston and Stourbridge Town Councillor Andrew Troman said the decision to purchase these quad bikes is an outrageous use of public money. It was not brought to the Climate Change Select Committee for pre-decision scrutiny and moreover it sends the wrong message about how we should be looking after our local environment. Instead of spraying harmful chemicals all over our parks and streets, I believe that Dudley should be joining 48 other local authorities across the UK who are banning or phasing out the use of pesticides in the areas they maintain. Liberal Democrat Councillor Ryan Priest, who won the recent Cradley and Woolascott by-election, added, It's frightening that the council is doubling down on its usage of a chemical known to cause such damage and doing so in such a careless and uncontrollable way. However, Dudley Council defended the safe spraying of weed killer, which is fully compliant with the law. Councillor Damien Caulfield, Cabinet Member for Highways and Environmental Services, said, The use of quad bikes has significantly improved the efficiency of the weed spraying service. They can cover ground more quickly and offer a very targeted spraying technique. One quad bike can do the work of 15 workers, so this frees up hundreds of hours of staff time to work in other areas of the service and deliver further improvements for residents. The spraying is safe and fully compliant with the law and its continued use was fully supported at a scrutiny meeting earlier this year. A farmer has said his blueberry crops are one of the best he's ever grown, despite the cold and wet summer weather. Essington Farm in Wolverhampton has been selling its fresh fruit and vegetables since 1978, with sweet corn, runner beans, strawberries and its famous sprouts among the produce grown on site. And this year, business partner and farmer Richard Simkin 
said his blueberry crop is thriving despite the heavy rainfall that has been seen across the region in recent weeks. Richard, who is the fourth generation of his family to have worked on the farm, said all this cool wet weather that we've had over the past month has watered the blueberries and they've grown big and juicy. These past two or three days have been sort of warm and sunny and suddenly we've got a terrific crop of nice juicy ripe blueberries. They're possibly one of the best crops we've ever had. Sometimes, if it's hot and dry, they don't grow very big, but this year they've had a nice combination of sunshine and rain and it's all come together. They're looking very good at the minute. Essington Farm, which dates back to 1892, sells its fresh fruit and vegetables in its farm shop, as well as offering customers a chance to hand-select their produce as part of a pick-your-own service. Despite the success of this year's blueberry crop, Farmer Richard said the wet conditions has presented a bit of a problem for farming. The 72-year-old added, It hasn't been ideal weather to come and pick anything really, but of course strawberries are grown undercover, so people can come and pick strawberries even if it's raining. The farmers that have fared the worst this summer are the cereal farmers, but thankfully we don't harvest cereals, so that hasn't been a problem for us. The farm also has an award-winning butcher's shop on site, having been crowned Butcher's Shop of the Year for the Midlands and East of England in May. The demolition of Wolverhampton's outdated former wholesale market to make way for a new mixed-use complex housing the council's vehicle fleet services workshop has moved a step closer. Located in Hickman Avenue, East Park, the site has been home to the wholesale produce market since 1972. Proposals to bulldoze existing units and convert the area into a multi-purpose facility, including a newly converted wholesale market, have already been granted outline permission. Planning bosses are now in the process of addressing works dealing with internal roads, parking and infrastructure for electric vehicle, EV, charging points. The vehicle workshop and Meals on Wheels operation is being relocated to Hickman Avenue from the old depot site in Colwell Street, Heathtown. Council facilities for street lighting, road signs, salt grit, cleaning and catering storage will also be accommodated, along with parking for all associated vehicles and office space for staff. A statement from Halliday Meacham Architects, who carried out the design work for the development, said the relocation is seen as supporting the economic growth of the food sector and investing in much-needed facilities for the council's fleet, such as the electrification of vehicles. The site is opposite the locally listed East Park and sits in an industrial context outside of the city centre. It accommodates the existing wholesale market buildings and a number of other council facilities. Refurbishing the existing market building and reusing it was evaluated. 
However, it was not possible to keep that building and have the fleet services workshop there due to the size of the site and location of the current building. Vehicles regularly accessing the site include articulated lorries, refuse collection vehicles, coaches, minibuses, vans and various smaller vehicles. The existing wholesale market building will remain in operation throughout the construction work, added the statement. The move offers an opportunity to modernise and consolidate facilities in a new location, but critically, the installation will support the transition of the Council's petrol-driven fleet to EV with purpose-designed maintenance bays. Plans have been developed in consultation with market traders and other existing users of the Hickman Avenue site. 110 construction jobs will be created through the move, and the council's carbon footprint will be reduced by 215 tonnes of CO2, supporting its programme to deliver a complete fleet of EVs. Time now for our latest edition of Sight Loss Tips, provided by the charity InfoSound. For further details on any of the items and practical information in this bulletin, you can also contact Beacon's team of Sight Loss Advisors on 01902-880-111. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. News and information about living with sight loss. From InfoSound. Hello and welcome to InfoShorts from InfoSound, a brief weekly bulletin of news, advice and practical information to help living with sight loss. And in this edition, speech-controlled audio listening apps, cooking containers, computer screen magnification, accessible technology grants and sighted guide training. And all in under 10 minutes. As well as providing radios and audio players on free loan to vision-impaired people who meet their lending criteria, British Wireless for the Blind Fund has two accessible apps, one for listening to talking newspapers and magazines, the other to radio stations, and they're freely available to anyone to download, and once you've joined as a member, and that's free as well, you can listen whenever you like on any Android or Apple device. As David Beard from the charity explains. Speech talking newspapers provides access primarily to all of the individual charities that read the news around the country every single week or month if it's a magazine and then we also have a range of other magazines that we provide access to like tandem club or jubilee club magazine for example in our national section so that provides human spoken word audio content across the country really there are hundreds of different publications on there so people just don't have to listen to ones in their area they can listen to ones anywhere and that's a lovely thing because people love to consume the audio and they love to listen and find out what's going on maybe they're there where they used to live or a friend lives speech radio we have access to pretty much every single radio station in the whole of the uk and as far afield as you want to go in the world you don't even need to know what they're called they're in alphabetical order you can search for them with your voice and just say bbc and it will list all the bbc stations or gold and list all the ones with the word gold in them it'll tell you what country they're from and what genre they're of 
both those applications are just really easy to use from the perspective of the user can use their voice. It's just all there and it's there for you. There's over 10,000 radio stations and over 200 publications from the Talking Newspapers app. Now, both BWBF's Speech Radio and Speech Talking Newspaper apps are fully controllable with the voice or hand gestures, if you prefer. Both apps, as we've said, are totally free to use. The current versions are now being replaced by newer versions. In fact, that'll happen before the end of September. And after that, you just need to join in the app's membership area before you use it. You can do this yourself or ask a friend or carer to do it for you. And British Wireless can tell you more about becoming a member and or installing and using the apps if you give them a call on 01622 754 757. That's 01622 754 757. Or you can email Suresh, S-U-R-E-S-H, at blind.org.uk Suresh at blind.org.uk InfoSound Cobalt Systems sells a range of cooking containers which they've identified could be helpful to some blind and partially sighted people. They sell a round microwave steamer with lid, an omelette maker, omelette shaped with a clip over lid, and an egg boiler supplied as two individual egg boilers, enabling you to boil eggs in 45 to 60 seconds. They're all dishwasher safe and designed for table service. And they also sell a microwave rice cooker, which uses what is described as a steam circulation system, specially designed for microwave rice cooking. Made of plastic, the handle is made of low heat conducting material to provide safe handling. And this cooker is dishwasher safe. Finally, they sell a microwave food container. It measures 220 by 150 by 75 millimetres and can be used in the microwave and freezer and is dishwasher safe and designed for table service. InfoSound. Now, if you're a computer user and you're struggling to see the screen, there is software out there that can enlarge the screen image. Some of it's free, some more comprehensive in what it does is not. But also, there's another way to do it, and Sean Fowler from the Partially Sighted Society joins us now with a clever and very simple way to help, I think, Sean. That's absolutely right. So, it's a little tip that some people might not know about. You don't actually need magnification software to magnify your screen, should you need to do so. So, on Windows PCs, you can press Windows key. That's the little key in between Control and Alt. It's got four little squares on it. You press the Windows key and plus and minus. The plus and minus key can be found next to the backspace key and that can increase the magnification on the screen up to 16 times. So you can just adjust it per document if you want uh, yeah. to, as you go along as it were. That's right. So that will also increase all the text size and everything as well. So if you get an email from someone in very small text, then you can just press Windows key and plus and that will bring the screen bigger, almost as if you're bringing the screen closer to your face. And presumably for Mac users, Apple computer users, there is an equivalent to this as well. Certainly, yeah. So that can be found in the accessibility options. So by going into the settings on the Mac, you enter accessibility, there will be an option called Zoom. Terrific. Thanks very much indeed, Sean. Cheers. You're very welcome. InfoSound. 
RNIB offers grants up to a maximum of £500 to registered blind or partially sighted people for useful technology that can help them live independently. To be eligible, you must be a resident in the UK, be registered with your local authority as blind, severely sight impaired, or partially sighted, sight impaired, receive a means-tested benefit that's not a tax credit, have been refused funding from your local authority for the items you need, have savings of less than £6,000 and have not had a grant from RNIB in the last three years. You can apply for a grant towards the cost of such things as accessible smartphones, tablets and e-readers, big button or talking landline telephones, computer accessibility software, electronic braille displays and note takers, daisy players and USB players and accessible kitchen equipment including talking microwaves, talking scales and talking measuring jugs. But there are others as well. As mentioned, RNIB will give a maximum of £500, so if the total of the items you need costs more than this, you would need to find the rest of the funding elsewhere before you apply to RNIB for the remainder. Further information about RNIB's grant scheme is available by calling the charity's national helpline on 0303-123-9999. That's 0303-123-9999. Double nine, or by emailing helpline at rnib.org.uk. Info sound. And to finish off this time, just a very quick note about the charity Guide Dogs Friend and Family Sighted Guide Training. This might be of particular help to you if you'd like to go out with family members or friends who may be perhaps a little unsure of the best way to guide someone with vision impairment. And so you and they can get out and about and do the things that you all enjoy, as Guide Dogs puts it, from garden centres to gigs. Obviously, you could well be the best person to advise as far as guiding you is concerned but if you know someone who might benefit from these free two-hour virtual training courses held regularly on weekdays and at weekends then they or you can phone guide dogs on 0800 781 4 that's 0800 781 4 or you can email information at guidedogs.org.uk And that brings us to the end of this edition of the weekly Info Shorts Bulletin from InfoSound. So, until next week, goodbye and thank you for listening. InfoSound TNF Soundings Up next, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. It's all yours, Roger. Take it away. Hello again everyone. Well this last week or so has had me delving into local history and it's been an eye opener for me I can tell you. Any road up, I thought I'd share some of the stuff I found with you. So now then, pin back your log holes for this week's revelations. 
So did you know that we have a volcano in Dudley? Well, what's left of one anyway? The big hump of a hill named Barrow Hill, crowned with a stone cross at the back of St Mark's Church in Pensnet, is what's left of a volcano from millions of years ago. And not only was that volcano part of the reason our area is so rich with mineral health, Barrow Hill hosts a nature reserve and is recognised as an area of national importance for its geological features and wide range of differing plants, grassland, ponds and wildlife. It's all there to be seen on their nature trail. Also on our doorstep is the Wren's Nest Nature Reserve. And believe it or not, our Wren's Nest Nature Reserve is of exceptional importance. It's one of the most notable geological locations in the British Isles and visited and studied by geologists from all over the world. And trilobites are probably the most famous of our fossils, especially the Dudley Bug, as it was nicknamed by quarrymen in the 19th century. These look a bit like modern woodlice, but are actually more closely related to crabs. However, without the Industrial Revolution, the rocks at Wren's Nest might never have been exposed or the fossils discovered during the search for minerals. Of course, all these fossils are the remains of creatures that lived 400 million years ago when they swam in a shallow tropical sea that covered our area when it was located around the equator at the time. Over 700 fossil species are known at Wren's Nest and Dudley was the first place in the world where a third of these were found. In 2004, Wren's Nest and the nearby Castle Hill were declared scheduled ancient monuments. The most impressive part of the workings is the last remaining surface opening Mindstone Cavern in the world. Formerly reaching more than 100 metres underground, it was known as the Seven Sisters. The Seven Sisters caverns had to be filled in after a major roof collapse and mine cave-in occurred in 2001. And to prevent further collapse, more recent work has begun on infilling the huge cathedral gallery with loose sand. However, and sadly, in 2007, Dudley Council lost out on a £50 million national lottery grant to redevelop and reopen the cavern complex. Well, I hope that you've not been bored to tears by these snippets of Dudley's past, and I apologise if some of you already know about it all. I, for one, have been fascinated by things that are beneath our feet in the area. I shall explore the archives further, I think. If you want to see and know more, then it can be found by visiting the new museum and facilities in Dudley. It's down by the Black Country Museum in Tipton Road. For now, though, I'm off to have a cuppa. This history lock has left me clack a bit dusty. So till next week, then I'll just say bye for now. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra! Now we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, come rain or shine, by our own Sunny Mina. The weather this week ahead is forecast to be rather unsettled, with sunny intervals but plenty of showers. Temperatures are also forecast to be a little cooler this week at 18 degrees. UV levels are expected to fluctuate between low and medium as we go through the week and see varying spells of sunshine. The sunrise and sunset times are 6.15am for the sunrise and 8pm for the sunset. Friday 25th of August is forecast to be bright and clear in the morning but the showers will set in by the time we get to midday. 
with a gentle breeze, temperatures are expected to be around 18 degrees. Moving on, and the spell of rain looks set to linger throughout the weekend again. There's a chance of the sun making a brief appearance here and there, but Sunday also brings the stronger risk of some thundery downpours too. So do take care. With a gentle breeze, temperatures will continue to remain at 18 degrees. On to next week and the unsettled weather will continue and dominate with plenty of sharp showers still hanging around with us. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region from Monday 28th of August and continue right through to Thursday 31st of August. So not only are we looking at a weekend washout, but a bank holiday riddled with rain too. With just a gentle breeze expected, temperatures should continue to hover around 18 degrees. The showers are forecast to be persistent all week but should ease off at times with a chance of some brief sunny intervals breaking through. All in all, it looks like a brollies won't be getting a rest just yet. So that's your usual mixed bag of rain and sun for the week. And as always, enjoy the weather. Cheers for that weather update, Mina. Now it's time to find out how our local football teams have been getting on. Albion claimed a welcome point from Leeds United as a gritty performance was enough for a share of the spoils, albeit with some fortune and controversy as Carlos Corberan's men eyed their first away points of the season at the head coach's former club. In a significant pre-match boost, Thomas Asante was past fit to start for Albion as Corberan's side looked to take an early stink out of Leeds' booming pre-match atmosphere with some early passages of possession. But Leeds started well, and sensed a chance to catch Albion trying to play out from the back. The theme was set, Leeds harrying Albion's defence and especially in midfield. Albion showed signs of response as the half progressed, but neither side managed to break the deadlock going into the break. The baggies emerged for the second half sharp and full of purpose and belief, and with the second period just seven minutes old, the visitors struck from a set piece again. John Swift's low delivery was low and not its best. Malumbi connected with a scuffed effort that needed help in a crowd of bodies to cross the line. Replays showed it struck Thomas Asante's hand and wrong-footed the keeper. Albion were fortunate. Very fortunate. Albion slipped back as Leeds pushed on. The pressure eventually told as Leeds found an equaliser with a cross from the left, powered home by Captain Ayling with a fine header. Leeds rallied for an onslaught at a booming Ellen Road. The clash was for the most part bitty, broken up with stoppages and cautions, nine in total. It was not a classic. Only an outstanding man-of-the-match performance from Albion goalkeeper Alex Palmer kept Leeds at arm's length as the hosts craved a winner. Albion recomposed themselves and were assured too as the baggies held out for a one-wall draw. The away end, boisterous all night, praised their troops for the efforts. 
Sentiment shared also by head coach Carlos Corbran's post-match interview, where he stated he was satisfied with Albion's character as they took a point home from Elland Road. Now then, where's that football glossary? Ah, here it is. A-B-B, bogey team. A bogey team is a team that strangely always does well against another team. It is a team that one other team finds hard to beat. Quick edit. For example, for Wolves it is Brighton. Recently, Wolves have found playing Brighton to be very, very difficult and have a cumulative score over the past three games of 13-3 in Brighton's favour. That's one big, bold, bright bogey team. And on Saturday, in Gary O'Neill's first home game in charge and the first Molyneux fixture of the 2023-24 season, it was a second-half capitulation that saw Wolves crumble to an embarrassing 4-1 defeat. With Fosun chairman Guo Guangchang in attendance and Wolves chairman Jeff Shi back in the country and also at Molyneux, Wolves thought they got off to the perfect start when Fabio Silva slotted home, but he was rightly adjudged to be offside. But Wolves failed to build on that and the Seagulls took control early on and made it 1-0. An incredible solo run from 40 yards out saw Brighton winger Mitoma dance his way past the Wolves defence with consummate ease and slot the ball beyond goalkeeper Jose Sa, a truly magnificent goal. The host grew into the game and began to see more of the ball and had some big chances to equalise, which they, again, failed to convert when they really should have scored. Brighton dominated the closing stages of the half with some dangerous crosses but failed to add to their 1-0 lead as the teams entered half-time. Any hope to reset and start again with intent and more cohesion in the second half was instantly quashed as it took Brighton just 45 seconds to double their lead. Wolves were all over the place in defence. They looked pedestrian and ponderous and in a nine-minute flash, it was 4-0. Lights out and game over, which prompted loud boos to ring around Molyneux from the home fans. With Wolves looking for a way back into the game, Quang Hee Chan netted Wolves' first goal of the season with a header, but it proved nothing more than a consolation as O'Neill's side suffered back-to-back defeats. In the dying minutes of the game, Mateus Nunes was given a second yellow card for needlessly pushing two Brighton players to the floor, reducing Wolves to 10 men. Woeful Wolves whimpered as the game came to an end, and a 4-1 defeat was met with further loud jeers from the home fans. Despite many feeling Wolves were poor on the day, O'Neill insisted the performance was pleasing and that Wolves' struggles to score was ultimately their downfall. O'Neill said, I didn't think the performance was worlds apart from Monday against Man United. The scoreline will obviously make most people believe it was, but it wasn't miles apart. Look at the numbers, the shots, the chances created. But you can't miss that many chances. In the opening two games of the season, Wolves have had 39 attempts at goal and scored just one. 
They cannot allow for such profligacy to continue if they are to avoid another season of almighty struggle. Now, here come the quiz answers, and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Let's see. Question 1. Barrow Hill in Pensnet is the remains of what... And the answer here is a volcano. Question two. What visitor attraction is at Barrow Hill? And the answer here is a nature reserve. Question three. Many worldwide visit our region. What attracts them to our area? And the answer here is the wren's nest. Question 4. What creature was the Dudley bug? And the answer here is the Trilobite. Question 5. How long ago did the Trilobite and the like live? And the answer here is 400 million years ago. And finally question 6. What name was given to the limestone canvas? And the answer here is the Seven Sisters. Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you all once again. Bye for now. Want to know how to get ahead in the garden this coming season? Here's some tips from the experts at MK Pulse magazine. DNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. This is Jan with some seasonal tips and ideas from the gardening expert at the MK Pulse magazine based in Milton Keynes. Sowing the seed for the next generation. With the summer holidays upon us, there is plenty of opportunity to grow youngsters' interests in gardens. And while it's healthy to get the kids away from their tablets and iPhones every now and then, there are some bonuses to be had from the internet. The web is full of fun things to do with little creatives that will nurture their love of flora. So you don't need to spend hours trying to remember those episodes of Blue Peter you watched years ago for inspiration. There are numerous simple projects you can help them with, and they are a great way to understand about plants, flowers and food. Herb gardens offer variety, have a fab fragrance and kids can grow them and follow them into recipes and onto the plate. Make them fun by coming up with colourful, interesting ways to label the individual plants, perhaps by decorating lollipop sticks or using toys to name each herb. Before popping those empty tin cans into the recycling, they could enjoy a second lease of life 
as miniature flower planters. Use a safe metal paint to transform the cans and with a little help from adults, they can be attached to fences. In bloom, they will really elevate your outdoor space and the pollinators will come and visit more often too. Remember to drill a draining hole in the bottom of each can and beware of any sharp edges. Bigger planters will offer more choice, of course. Take children to choose their own blooms from the array of affordable ranges that can be picked up at your local garden centre. Seed collecting is another fun way to learn. Kids will love finding them and can then collect them to use next year. Even if you don't have a garden of your own, you can still experience the beauty of nature on your doorstep. Go and explore one of the local parks and the different wildflowers and trees growing there. Books or phone apps can help you identify flowers and leaves with ease. I can still remember collecting sweet gum leaves for show and tell at school as a wee nipper. The trees shed their beautiful star-shaped leaves and the colours were stunning shades of red and burgundy. Remember collecting conkers or picking up acorns or pine cones? It's easy fun, but connects little people to nature. When you've done the tree hunt, how about a bug hunt? An understanding of the insects living in our green spaces adds to the wonder of the outdoors and making a bug hotel we shared how to do that back in April's edition, is a fab way to invite six-legged guests into your outdoor spaces. Children will love the process of being little garden helpers, will learn an appreciation of all that exists beyond the screens, and lots of fresh air means they'll sleep well too. So, how does your garden grow? The school holidays are here, but the vegetable plots are still productive. The first trial harvest of new potatoes from a container was interesting. There were only a few tubers, but they were beautifully formed. Runner beans and peas were picked and tasted, a few corn cobs were ripe, and garlic was surprisingly good, as was the abundance of salad leaves. The red-coloured ones aroused the most interest. Some of the herbaceous perennials at the back of the border have put on their show and their flower stems have gone to seed. It is time to cut them down to their base, tidy and weed round them. Work in some compost as a mulch and place young plants, raised in the cold frames or bought from a local nursery, in the gaps. Hardy geraniums are always good to add to the border. The box hedge at the back of the border is too tall and needs to be drastically trimmed as do the topiary box balls to regain their compact shapes. I am continuing to deadhead the climbing and bush roses to promote late flowering and to clip back and rearrange the formation of a new framework for rambling roses to carry next year's blooms. May we enjoy a colourful autumn. Ralph Westmoreland DNF Soundings
So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!